Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of our show. And of course, this being Halloween, we have a special edition, which is all about some of our scariest stories, some of our horror stories from our years of traveling. Actually, if you want to get down to it, in our time of traveling, we haven't had too many horror stories. Despite what you hear on the TV and, you know, how some people want to make it sound like all trips are horrible or maybe it's just them that are horrible. You know, sometimes things are going to go wrong. That's going to happen. But overall, most trips go pretty good. But then there's times where things just go wrong. In this episode, being the fact we're getting close to Halloween, we thought it'd be a good time to give you some of our not-so-great stories. Some of them are just downright bad. Some of them just, you know, the things when nothing could go right. Some when certain people didn't make things go right. And other times that people act, well, in one case, downright creepy. I'm going to tell you that story, too. Hello, everybody. My name's John Dornoff. And I'm your host for the Travel Fun Adventure Podcast. On this podcast, we talk about travel, but most of all, we talk about how to get you good value for the dollar. Whether you're traveling alone, while you're traveling with kids, pets, as an empty nester couple, just a couple, whatever it is, we want you to get the best value for the dollar. We give you great our tips. We give you our honest reviews. We give you list of what we think are great restaurants and great attractions within a city. We give you all that. Because we want you to have a wonderful trip. But as I said, this episode's going to be a little different. We're going into story time. We're going to tell stories of what has happened on some of our trips. Some of them have not been very good. So, as I said, one is downright creepy, and some, in cases, um, buildings need to be built pretty, you know, a little better. So, we're going to talk about that, or buildings need to be maintained better. Whatever it is, we're going to talk about it. The good, the bad, the ugly, the creepy. First up on our list is probably, is just one of those things that make you sick. And by the way... In most cases, I will not tell, say the name of the hotel chain. Most of them don't exist anymore. Or even ones that we stayed at recently have gone through franchise changes. So I, I just, you know, it's really, if they've gone through a change where they're no longer the hotel, including one we stayed at just a couple of years ago that has gone through a hotel change, I'm not going to say, I mean, there's just no use in saying the name. So this first one, I will say the name because I know it's no longer that hotel. And the chain's totally different from what it was. And it was a travel lodge. This was before the Wyndham takeover. This was when travel lodge was really going downhill. You know, they they had a lot of low-cost, motor-colored hotels. And then they kind of had a great decline. And then Wyndham brought them out. And as I said, I've said many times on Wyndham reviews and talking about Wyndham is now travel lodge is just there. They kind of, there's some, they're kind of like economy, 
and low end economy, but they have so many low end economy brands and trout and Wyndham is kind of hard to keep track. And it, once they're taken over by choice hotels, if that happens, they'll be with more questionable hotels. So yeah, the economy brand's just going more downhill. But in this particular case, I was in Wenatchee, Washington. I had to stay there for a week. And in fact, several of these stories are in involved when I was traveling for this one company. And they were all in this area. So we were, I w- it was just me. In fact, this was year, several, about five years before I met my wife. And I was staying at a hotel. Motel. I had stayed there for a week. And apparently they put me in the wrong hotel. The next, and but for this night, I was at the travel lodge. And I was there for the night. I was done for the night. I had had a very long day. So I was ready just to relax. So I took my shoes off and made the mistake of taking my socks off. Yes. I walked across the room, went to the bathroom, did my thing in the bathroom, came out, looked at my feet, and there was all, my feet were completely dirty. They weren't dirty when I took my socks off. I had accumulated, I mean, they were kicked with, with dirt. That's how dirty the floors were in this hotel. I was so grossed out. I did not want to spend the night there, but at that point, I just went to bed, although it was not easy going to bed. I washed, I, I, I put on my shoes to walk across the floor, washed the shit, my feet, and then came back. Yeah, it was kind of gross. Fortunately, the next day they discovered, oh, wait, you're in the wrong hotel. We're moving you across the street. There's another hotel. It turned out to be right across the street, and it was much nicer. I was very happy to move, and they had clean floors. So that was, I think, the grossest. Well, second grossest hotel visit I ever had. Next up was one of those trips that it's like, can anything else go wrong? Don't ask because it will. We were moving where we, my, my father had been diagnosed with cancer and I got laid off. My company had laid me off. So it's like, well, my wife was able to transfer where she was working because my parents were in Spokane. So she transferred up into Spokane. So we had to move from where we were living to Spokane. And we rented, of course, a moving truck and a trailer. This was our only time ever renting from budget. Normally we rent from Penske as our first choice. Budget's our second choice. And U-Haul is our last choice. One of the things, but this particular time we rented from budget because at that time Penske wasn't in Spokane, although they were when we by the time we moved out. It started off pretty good, actually. I mean, it just started off wrong as we ended up being almost a day late getting out of town where we're living. It was actually where my in-laws are, where my wife's family's from. Because, my, of course, my in-laws wanted everything of my wife's out of their house. Don't blame them there because I wanted everything of my kids out of the house, too. And so we had to move extra stuff and... It became a hassle, but we finally got going. And actually, the first half, actually, the first two-thirds of the trip didn't go too bad. We didn't make as good a time as we wanted to. We hit some bad weather, but overall, it wasn't bad. We spent the night in Pendleton, Oregon, 
which is a place I've spent many nights just traveling different places. And, and as you leaving Pendleton, there's kind of an uphill and we heard something and didn't think much of it. So we kept on driving until we got just to the border of Washington State and we get pulled over. And it's like, why are we getting pulled over? I'm not like I can speed on a moving truck. Officer goes, um, sorry to, hopefully I didn't startle you guys, but, um, you guys are missing, do you know you're missing a tire on your trailer? No, it was there this morning. <laughs> sure enough, apparently there, there was two tire, there's two tire, it's two axles on the, on the trailer that was carrying our vehicle. And one of the tires, what we heard was the tire blowing out. And it was gone. I mean, it was completely gone. So he goes, well, the way station's right up ahead. Stop there. And they will call triple They'll call budget for you. So we called budget, said, um, we have a flat tire. So, of course, they have to call someplace. They'll come fix the truck, fixed it. They came. I mean, it took about three hours. But the people at the way station were super nice. They got us a new tire finally. Got it going. The very next city is Tri-Cities. It's a place of, when I was living in Spokane, we spent a lot of time there. We used to go to the speed raceway there until it closed. We stopped at a, well, it's kind of a truck stop, but it also has a really good restaurant. We spent there, we stopped there for breakfast, even though it was, it was lunchtime by the time we got there. Went to get up gas in the truck, in the truck. Went to start the truck after we got gas into it, and nothing happened, and nothing happened. And the people from the truck center coming out, oh, no, what can we do to help you? I mean, they were nice. They weren't mad or anything. And so, you know, they they had truck experts there, but none of them could figure out what was wrong with the truck. And, of course, we couldn't move it. Not like we could push it anywhere. And so we were we ended up having to – we ended up blocking their – gas pumps for a while fortunately they had other ones but i mean it wasn't convenient for them finally a tow truck came and was able to uh, one of the semi was able to pull us off away from the gas pump so and so it was another two three hour wait and finally they came and it took them a couple hours to fix the truck and we were on our way again so yeah, that was not fun. When you're moving, it's stressful enough, and then you have two things go wrong with your truck. I mean, neither one of them were budget's fault. I mean, both of them were just weird things that happened because the tread on the tires on the trailer looked fine, so, and the truck was not that old. So yeah, just those things happen. Next was my experience on Amtrak's train through. It's now called the California Zephyr. This time it was. This San Francisco Zephyr, right before it changed, I was taking the train from Denver to Sacramento. I had, I was only 17 at the time, but I was traveling by myself. Right outside of Reno, the smell of pot started coming through the car. And so immediately the conductor came to me and says, I'm removing you from the train. I'm going, why? Because you're smoking pot. I go, Do you, does this smell like I'm smoking pot in here? He smells my room. No. Do I smell like pot? No. I'm not smoking it. Well, if I found out you're doing anything, I'm going to kick you off this train. Okay. As it turned out, we found out who was smoking pot across it. And then all of a sudden, the conductor realized 
The smell of pot was coming from the room across the floor. Across the, and it was a couple in there. And, yep, they were smoking pot and says, sorry, you can't smoke pot in here. You know, it's illegal. But just please stop it. Now, did he threaten to kick them off the train? No. He only threatened to kick me off the train. Oh, by the way, they were also airline employees, so hopefully he wasn't, the guy wasn't a pilot or something. I don't know what they did. They probably worked at one of the airports or something, but it's like, okay. I go, sir, you were going to kick me off. Why are you kicking them off? Shut up or I will kick you off. Okay, that was the end of that, the conversation. But, I mean, was that necessary? I mean, that could have gone really bad. If I got to kicked off the train in Truckee, California, and had to call my parents in Southern California to come get me, that would have been pretty bad. And trust me, it would have gone public. Especially since, at that point in time, I actually knew one of the Amtrak board of directors. I actually did. So, it's like, to, of course, he wasn't actually even an Amtrak employee. At that time, the conductors and assistant conductors were railroad employee, the railroad that the trains ran on. Then they hated Amtrak anyway. So next up is you know, another one of those days where things just don't seem to go right. I was I was attending a conference in Miami. This is my first time in Miami, by the way. I flew from I was I I was living in Salt Lake in the time. I took the train over the I took the California Zephyr. Didn't have any problems with conductor at that point. To Reno. Got off of Reno, attended a conference. Then I flew Delta. It was express jet that provide that's no longer in business. That was the Delta provider from Reno to LA, connected to the overnight flight to Orlando and from Orlando to Miami. Or actually it was supposed to be Fort Lauderdale. Now, I mentioned this flight many times because it was also a cold share flight with one of the China Airlines, and half the plane, three quarters of the plane, were people that transferred from a China, a flight from China with small kids, and they were crying up a storm because they'd already been on a flight for what, 12, 14 hours, and now they were on another six out, eight hour flight or seven hours from LA to Orlando. I, as I've said many times, I don't blame the kids. I really don't blame the parents. I mean, it was just a bad... It, I mean, it was a long flight for them. I feel bad for everybody involved. So I didn't get much sleep. Get to Orlando. I go down to the commuter... At this point, Delta still... Delta abandoned their hub in Orlando in 2007. So... Or was it abandoning it? This was actually in 2007, or was it 2008? It was one of those two. It was 2007, I believe. And so right as they were abandoning the hub, so I went downstairs to where their commuter, their regional jet would take me down to Fort Lauderdale that says flight canceled. Lovely. <sighs> However, once again, friendly, flight, friendly, friendly person behind the counter goes, okay, would you be okay flying to Miami? I go, that's fine. That's actually my final destination. And she goes, great. Got you on a new plane. We'll transfer your luggage. So flew down there. It was the most, in the most interesting part of the flight is, I mean, the plane literally went in circles. And it looked like an eye. It, it was cloudy, but there was an eye of the, like an eye in the storm. 
and the plane was just making circling around his eye all the way down until it landed. It was pretty interesting. But we got there, and my luggage was not on the plane. They said, we will get to your luggage, no problem. Okay. You know, I heard horror stories and maybe days before I get my luggage. Fortunately, I did bring, I always take an extra pair of luggage of clothes in my carry-on, so in case. I took the train, I did some riding, I rode the commuter train from Miami to Palm Beach and back, and then I went to my hotel, went to check into my hotel. My luggage was there. That was good news. I mean, they already had it at my hotel before I got there. So, good job to Delta. But the computers were down at the re- at the hotel. And so, me and this other girl, who woman who was trying to check in, had to sit at the bar for like three hours or two and a half hours waiting for them to check us in. They finally got us checked in and they screwed up. Because... Two days later, when she was supposed to check out, I get the bill for her. And then later on in the day, a secure, an armed guard comes up with, a, I mean, really holding his gun and saying, you have to come with me. As it turned out, they had me checking out, even though I was supposed to be there for several more days. And yeah, I mean, they screwed up so many times. It was ridiculous. Now it's time for another one of those hotel horror stories. This one, I have told you about it before, but I'm going to tell you about it again. It was in Michigan. It, w- it was about four years ago. My son and I were visiting my aunt, who's in her 90s. She wanted us to go through some tools and stuff and see if there's anything we wanted. My son, lo- I mean, my son loves cars. and In fact, he's now a cert- he's becoming a certified diesel mechanic. And so she wanted to go through the tools and just visit with her, which is great. We did. Well, we ended up staying at a motel that was a few miles away from her. She lives in Taylor, which is one of the suburbs of Detroit. And we were staying a few miles away from that, about halfway between Detroit and Ann Arbor. And it was, we checked into the hotel. Everything was fine. Then we get to the room and it smells really bad. We go in. And somebody had gone to the bathroom in the hotel in the room, and the maid had not taken care of it. It was very disgusting. And then, so we asked for another room, and they said, "Oh, we don't have another room for you. We're too packed." That wasn't the. I mean, that was bad enough. But then we found bugs in the room. It wasn't bed bugs, fortunately. I guess we'll be thankful for that. But. There was flying bugs in there. There was other issues. Talk about horror. And then we went to their breakfast. We should have known that was a mistake. We just looked at it and go, heck no. This looks horrible. That stay was horrible. The worst part is there was nothing around the hotel close by. There was one convenience store. That was about it. I think there might have been a Wendy's, but that's about it. I mean, nothing really. But, I mean, once we got, we flushed the toilet and aired out the room for, you know, a few hours, it got a lot better. But, I mean, that was just horrible that we put up with that. That's just ridiculous. Next up was probably the creepy experience. This just is creepy. I mean, and once you hear it, you'll realize how creepy it was. 
So this was right after I had graduated from college. I was 24 years old at the time. And I had gotten a job in Charlotte, North Carolina. We were living in, I was living in Spokane at the time. That's where my parents were living at the time. And, and so I had like a three week break. So I took a trip. I, well, we have an annual family reunion in Las Vegas. That was right. Perfect timing for that. I drove down the Oregon and California coast, went to the ringing and I visited a few days in LA. And then I drove around the, down the southern part of the country, basically the I 10 corridor, then down to from El Paso down along the border line along US 90 to San Antonio, Houston, to New or- Houston and New Orleans, then up to Birmingham and up to Atlanta and into North Car- South Carolina and North Carolina. I stopped at a gas station in one of the states and it was a busy, busy gas station because it's right off the freeway. You know, one of those busy off, you know, right off the interstate gas station sees a lot of business. So I'm filling up my gas tank and getting ready. My life possessions in my car because, you know, I'm barely out of college. I don't have much of the life possessions. And this 1971 LTD pulls up, sedan pulls up in the pumps across the island from me. Its main color was rust. And don't think much of it. I'm just pumping my gas. and. I realized that there's a girl in the back seat, and she keeps looking at me, smiling, giggling, talking to somebody else in the car. And then, so I go back to pumping gas, and a few minutes later, this guy approaches me, and he goes, My daughter thinks you're cute, and she's marrying age. Okay, this is kind of weird. Um, She kind of looks a little young to be marrying age. You know, trying to figure out how to get out of the situation that I'm getting in right now. And he goes, oh, no, she's 15 years old. Of course, that just makes me freak out all the more. It's like, what is he talking about? I mean, what is going on here? What are they up to? What are they going to do? So then he suggests, hey, I'm, I would love to introduce you. Trust me, she'd make you a good wife. Why don't you meet, meet me over there in the corner over there? And I'll introduce you guys. Now I'm looking over my shoulder at this place he wants to meet. Now, it's a gas station convenience store, but behind there, there's nothing. I mean, nothing. There's no cars back there. I mean, there is really nothing but field. And it's like, what are they going to do to me? I mean, it was scary. I mean, I don't know what these people... I mean, can you imagine a, a guy coming up to you? I mean... If you're a guy and a guy, another guy comes up to you and says, you want to marry my daughter? I mean, and she's 15 and you're 24. I, I just didn't know what I was, I mean, I was like, I was kind of in shock and it's like, um, I, I, I don't know what I should be doing here because I'm afraid you, you're the guy going to murder me or something or rob me or like my whole life possessions that are in my car. You can have them all. So I don't know what was going on. I mean, really, what would you have done? Anyway, I was like, okay. I just said, okay. And I get in my car. I start my car and get out of there. Now, I drove to the next major city where I was supposed to spend the night. I mean, the whole way I was looking to make sure there was no 71, 71 LTD keeping up behind me. 
it never, you know, that was the end of it. But I don't, it was bad enough that happened. Well, then, you know, I settled in my job. About, then comes the fall, this was October. The following April, we have to go to that same area on some business. And it's like I told my coworker what had happened. He goes, do you know what the marionage is? And that's right there. And I go, no. He goes, it's 13 years old. That guy was serious. He wanted you to marry his daughter. Like, he didn't know me. He didn't care. You're serious. I, I, I don't even know. I can't even explain it. Fortunately, that didn't happen. Although, I will have to say, uh, when my son was 13 years old and kind of giving us problems, I kind of looked up that state and I saw their marrying age was still 13 years old. Then I kind of go, hey, we'll give you a trip. We're going to go on a trip to this state. He goes, why? Well, because they allow people to marry when they're 13. We'll find you a good bride. Suddenly he didn't want to go on any more trips. I don't know why. Now I have seen that since then. I mean, my son just turned 23. And since that time, they have to raise the date 18, fortunately, for everybody involved. But, yeah. I mean, I, I just don't know what to say about what happened. I mean, I just still think about it all the time, you know, once in a while, that oh, some guy was going to let me marry his daughter. And, but, no. Few, it took him a few years, but I finally found the right woman for me, and been married now over twenty five years. So, yes, that's everything was meant to happen, and so that's some of our stories. I mean, as I said, I mean, really, nothing truly horrible. Okay, the black feet in Wenatchee and the horrible hotel in Michigan. I mean, the fine. That somebody had gone to the bathroom in your hotel room and nobody bothered to clean it out. I mean, just flushed the toilet, literally what it all took. Obviously, the maid had not even chucked the toilet. So how clean was that toilet? Ugh. But beyond that, yeah, just some stories that I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget our next episode, we are going to go over our winter driving tips. As I've said many times, I've driven a lot of winter. My father drove a lot of winter. I've driven everything from a neon, from a whatever brand of, since you never knew what brand the neon came from since it was a rental car, all the way up to moving trucks in winter. There's always an adventure. But we'll go over our tips and what we use every time we have to make a big trip through the, you know, in winter time. Then, of course, the last episode podcast of the year, we're going to do a special episode where we kind of talk about, you know, we talked about horror stories here. Then we're going to talk about some, sto- you know, some stories that trips that just, you have to look back and just laugh now. And then first episode of the year, we're going to be our two-year anniversary, and we're going to go over all that all the best of the best from the last two years. Thank you. Have a great week.